morning. I had a math teacher that always uh, talks about what uh, assuming does. I think you all know, so I won't say it here. <sighs> I knew I was going to be late again when we were going out to the car, and I could hear the church bells ringing 9 o'clock. I thought, okay, it takes 40 minutes to get here. Probably not going to make it by 9.30. So, I, I know, I know. Well, and, you know, I think if you've been here long enough, you recognize that uh, whatever time church starts is a soft time. Like It starts somewhere around there, which is kind of nice. I like that. I've, I used to be a very super prompt person, uh, not as young as I once was. And, of course, when, uh, when you're a young single guy, it's easy to get places on time. Uh, not, not so much when, uh, when you have more people with you. So, well, Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for uh, uh, meeting with us in this place. We thank you for your word to us and your goodness. God, your your unfailing faithfulness, God, is a, is a source of comfort to us. And God, today we just pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us today, that you would plant it inside and cause it to grow. Now that by faith we would receive those things that you would say to us. And, and take hold of them and nurture them and and, uh, uh, and let them grow up inside of us and uh, and be that uh, uh, thing that you would have it to be in us. God, we just pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Second Samuel uh, twenty-three. So if you were in Holton last night, you were on the A-list. I was not. So you can figure out what that means. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You think I'm, you know, eventually I'm probably going to get in trouble for stirring up this uh, whole who's better than who thing. Just kidding. Um, how, about, how about verse 8? I like these guys. Second uh, Samuel 23. These be the mighty men that whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite, and he lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. That's pretty cool. I like that guy. That's, that, that's the kind of guy that you need to show up when you're in trouble. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the uh, Ahohite, which if that's your dad's name, you better be tough. <laughs> dad's a Dodo, that's right. And Dodo don't mess with him. That will tear you up. And uh, he was one of the three mighty men with David who, or when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle and when the men of Israel were gone away. And he arose and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave to his sword. And the Lord brought a special victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. That's the kind of guy you want around. The guy that does all the, all the stuff and you just kind of come in and tidy up a bit afterwards. And after him was Shema the son of Agi the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. 
and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground, and he defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. And the three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in the hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed, and he said, Oh, that one would give me a drink from the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. They took it and they brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, Lord, that I should do this. This is, is, is this not the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? And therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. So, it's great to have those kind of friends. You know, when you when you get in trouble, it's great to have somebody that you can count on. That uh, you know, it's like uh, it's like being on the uh, on the playground picking teams for kickball. You want the guy that killed 800 guys with a spear. You know, you, know, you you want the guy that 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 killed people until he couldn't let go of his sword, and. And you want the guy who decided that he was going to stand in the middle of an open field where he had nothing to protect his back and was going to take on any and all comers. Those are the kind of people you want on your kickball team. You know, and so uh, so David was in this really rough spot. You know, and you know, we all go through places in our life where it's great to have uh great to have Adino and Eleazar and Shema around, but you, you you go through places where nobody can really go with you. You know, you go through places that you have to go through alone. And uh, and, and that's where David was at. Here he was uh, in the Dulem, calls it the hold. And uh, and the uh, he was longing for a word from God. Because he got to talk to him already, and God told him that this is, you know, you're going to be king. And <clears throat> right now it doesn't look so good, but he is in this place. And you know, it's funny because, you know, we we trust the things that God tells us, and God proves Himself to us over and over again that His word can indeed be trusted. It's nice of him to do that because he really doesn't have to, but he does, and I think he knows that he needs to for our sake. Right, here, let, let, let me prove this to you, just just so you know that next time I tell you something that that you're going to be all right. Let me, let me prove this to you. And so, so David's in this Sabbath kind of place where everything is doesn't look so hot. I mean, he's he's still got the the big three here with him and uh and what a comfort that is to to have your friends around uh but but he's still not satisfied by that he's still not uh sufficiently comforted by that what he's looking for is something some kind of assurance from God and he says oh that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem which is by the gate and so they said well in that case then we're going to go get you some. And and it's precious when people love you that much that they would go to that much trouble and risk life and limb and, and everything else to go get you a glass of water. Yeah. These are like 
kind of people that Cynthia must have come from. Because if you need a pencil, or a Band-Aid, or an aspirin, then she will drag herself across the desert on her face to get it to you. So I sure appreciate having somebody that helpful around. Um, so he's looking for this drink then. And, and we, we know all about the well of Bethlehem. That, that that's Jesus. And he's longing for a drink from him. A word from God. And I want to talk about this word well a little bit. This is an interesting word. This is the same word that it uses when Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit in the desert. It's the same place. It's the same word used to describe the dungeon that Joseph ended up in uh, Egypt. And it's the same word uh, for this, the, uh, the empty cistern where they put Jeremiah. And uh, it's used as, uh, um, it's often translated into English as a pit, obviously, from those, those examples. And, and it uses it for that figuratively as well. So this word has kind of a broad range of meaning. A well seems like a really grand thing. You know, a, a pit, prison, dungeon type place, not so much. You know, I think dungeon, I think moldy stone walls and bread and water and rats, you know. But, you know, I think the well of Bethlehem, I'm thinking, yes, you know, this is some good stuff. But it's the same word. And and I, I find that very interesting. Um because God will hold you in a place while He's dealing with you and doing something good in your life, and He'll sustain you in that place. And you wish that it would turn into a well, but maybe right now it's a pit. Uh, go with me over to um, Isaiah. Um, and to ensure that I beat you there, I'm going to not tell you which chapter yet. <laughs> Uh, 51. And when you see a heading like this, you know it's going to be a good sermon. Uh, I remember for weeks on end, it felt like months on end, I would come in here feeling like I was getting out my whip again and whipping all of us, including me. So in 51, he says, Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you're hewn, to the hole of the pit whence you're digged. So there's that word again. The, 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 the hole of the pit from whence you're dug. And uh, look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. So there's a lot there. You know, look unto the rock from whence you're hewn. You know, when uh, um, back in the day they used to say that uh, when you looked or acted just like your dad, that you were a chip off the old block. You know, and and so you know we we know that God talked about Himself being a rock, and and so He has uh, taken from His own nature and put it inside of us, and so we have the same. So we've been hewn from this rock then that, that he is. And he says, into the hole of the pit from which you're dug. So this, this well then 
that, that he is, uh, he, he's saying that I put this in you. And so uh, in, the, in the Psalms, he talks about going through the valley of weeping and making it a well. Uh, there's a, Mark Rutland had this great book about valleys, uh, God of the Valleys. If you've never read it, I highly recommend it. And he talked about that valley in that book. And, and he talked about how uh, you know, we go through these difficult places and you go through these dry, tough places and you are kind of forced to dig a well because you need some water from somewhere. So you dig till you find some. And uh, the great thing about when about digging a well is you kind of have to leave it there. You know, you really can't take the well with you. Uh, so the grand thing is, is then there's going to be some other traveler coming down the path uh, that they're going to go that same route you went, and they're going to find a well. And so the things that we go through, they feel so pointless sometimes. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many times I, I looked at things that I was going through and thought, well, this is stupid. I see no point for this. This is really dumb. Plus, it just feels good to rail on it sometimes, you know, complain for a moment. It's like having poison ivy, isn't it? It's like you scratch it and you're like, huh. <laughs> that was a mistake, you know, and... You know, I've had poison ivy one time my entire life, and I I did not enjoy it one bit. In fact, I didn't know what it was for a while because I'd never had it before. I'd, I I uh, I flipped my car over into a creek when I was 16, and the day that I got my driver's license, in fact, and uh, <laughs> right, so it's like it's a wonder that my parents weren't praying people, but. Um, yeah, you know, I was going too fast down a dirt road, uh, freshly graveled dirt road, and uh, my tire blew out, and the car just kind of jerked to the side as I was going down this hill, and I actually kind of spiraled through the air like a football. You know, it was it was pretty awesome, and <clears throat> I still have this this mental image of the tree limbs all whipping past the the windshield, and. Uh, you know, banging around a bit and finally coming to to a rest uh, upside down in this dried out creek bed. I was like suspended from my seatbelt and uh, just kind of hanging there upside down. And the first thing that went through my mind was, I can't afford another car. I haven't finished paying for this one. <laughs> so, of course, I was a heathen at the time, but... Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I managed to get through that entire uh, incident without so much as a scratch or bruise or anything. However, climbing up out of this creek bed, I got poison ivy. So, yep, yep. And so there's something about, you know, scratching it that, you know, it's like, it's like complaining about something that's really bothersome. It feels really good for a few minutes. And then you really wish you would have just left it alone because then it won't go away. Uh, and in fact, if you scratch poison ivy, it usually spreads because this oozy stuff comes out and you get it on other places and then now you have it everywhere. So <clears throat> uh, so that would be my object lesson about complaining about stupid things that we go through. 
because uh, in, in God's purpose, nothing that we go through is really stupid. There are things that we do to ourselves that is stupid. Another great thing that Mark Rutland talked about, like, you know, there are things, there are places you can get yourself in your life where you should just get in front of the mirror and put your hands up by your head and go, Yaw! and it's like, you will feel a lot better. Like, and then just, you know, move on with your life. I have, I have done that a time or two as well. So, but looking to the rock from once you're hewn and the hole of the pit from once you're dug. So, where, look where I came from. Look, look at what God is, has put into me. It says, look to Abraham your father and Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. You know, you would think if anybody was not going to be a success, it would have been Abraham because he he came from uh, Ur of the Chaldees and he was an idol worshiper and he he didn't come from this, you know, he didn't seem like he would have come from this magic lineage of of, of Adam and his sons, yeah. you know. He because of course you know Adam started out with every possible advantage, and it didn't work out. And Noah started out perfect man, and things degenerated from beyond him. And so then he starts out with Abraham, which is so great for all of us, yeah. you know. Because I don't know about you, but when God found me, I was a heathen. And uh, he's been de-heathenizing me ever since. You know, I, I was only vaguely aware of what that word meant when I was young, when I was a teenager. And I still remember going to register for my uh, for school my senior year, and there was this terrified little freshman girl coming out of the school with her mom, and uh, you know, she just looked nervous and out of place. This is my last year here. I you know I know how this works. And, uh, you know, went there by myself. I didn't have my, my folks with me and stuff. And I just blow past this girl on the sidewalk. I'm like, out of the way, heathen. <laughs> and you know, they just, she and her mom just kind of looked at me like, what is the matter with this guy? You know, and looking back, I thought, oh, man. What? You know, I remember being the, the nervous little freshman showing up at the school with my mom. You know, so like I think there was still some heathen in there at that time. No, that that would have been a great time for me to have one of those moments where you run into the glass. You know, <laughs> that that would have been great. I I could have used a good dose of humility at that moment. But so, but he says, you know, look at Abraham. I got Abraham from where he was at to where I wanted him to be eventually. And, you know, like we talked about Wednesday night, he, he didn't get it all right. You know, we all, we're all thinking, oh, Lord, I wish I was like Abraham. He's like, you are so like Abraham. <laughs> and, and, but, you know, I, it's like, I, I loved him too. And, and I love you. And we're, we're going to get rid of Lot. And, and <laughs> you know, this is this is all going to be fine. So, you know, I mean, and that you know, I take a lot of comfort from Abraham's story because he does all this stuff that's like, well, that was kind of dumb, you know. And uh, and it's funny because when I was younger, I would read through these things and think, wow, what a great, you know, 
And this guy had all of his duckies in a row. And, you know, the more, the older you get, the more you understand what the story is really saying. It's like, okay, so he said, leave everybody behind, and he took Lot. And then, uh, you know, I'm an employer. I like people to follow instructions. You know, so it's like, you know, then he, then he, he does one of those, like, sanitized half-truth things when it, with Sarah. He's like, you know, tell everybody you're my sister. And, uh, it's like, is she really? You know, it's like the like the one king that Sar is like, huh, sister, hmm? I don't think she's your sister. And uh and you know, these guys were not happy, but he and he kept trying to, you know, kind of throw her under the bus because he was afraid. You know, and it doesn't get much more unmanly than that. I mean, I mean that's just not cool. You know. And I've I've totally been that guy. The well, there's something um, awkward and uncomfortable that needs done that I really don't want to do. Hey, love, you want to go? Um... <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, Levi took uh, a couple sets of of Bobby and Heidi's tracks yesterday, and uh, after breakfast and Bible study and everything, he insisted that we needed to go take one to the neighbor. There's this really little old lady that lives next door to us that has uh, like round-the-clock uh, care, in-home care there. And he's like, we need to take her one. And uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's not that you don't want to do it, but you, your flesh doesn't want to do it. It's like, that sounds really uncomfortable. And Okay. And so Cynthia's like, well, do you want me to... He's like, shall I you know, go get dressed and take more? He's like, yes. That that sounds grand. I'm going to go pray. Um, um, you know, but you know, I thought that was really precious that he would want to. He's like, you know, we we need to take these over to the neighbors, and and he also wanted to take the school fundraiser flyer over and try to get her to buy something. <laughs> like one one or the other. We're not going to sell her something and talk to her about Jesus. You know. One or the other. So, I mean, seriously, they bring these homes, these fundraisers home Friday afternoon, and I'm like, no, let's not take them to to church because we've already had a family that that they did that, and everybody bought something from them, and let's not harangue the poor people anymore. And uh, so he goes over to the neighbors, and he's like, can I go over to their house? I'm like, yeah, they're really nice. You can go over there and ask. And uh, sure enough, he got something out of them. So. I was like, this guy's either going to be a salesman or an evangelist. You know, one or the other. It's like, he does not know how to take no for an answer, which is a good thing in some cases. Sometimes not. Um, so, uh, you know, I love that. Look unto Abraham, your father. Like, okay. Well, like, so he, you know, God, God talked to him like a friend. And he didn't make him ever feel like he was less than or or you know he didn't call him on his mistakes like well that was really dumb what were you thinking he he uh he just you know he saw that he took lot with him when he left and he just didn't really talk to him much just kind of quiet and then eventually abraham and lot had so much stuff they had to separate and then immediately after lot leaves god starts talking to him again 
So, so God knows how to to get stuff done. You know, we we worry so much about making mistakes or doing the wrong thing. It's like, well, can't you know? Couldn't God fix it if He did? You know, and and I mean, of course, we all would like to do everything right and make the best choices, and 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 God certainly leads us to do those things. But is it the end of the world if I make some small mistake? No. So he says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah that bear you. And I like that because Sarah couldn't have kids. Couldn't have any babies. And so it's like, so you came then, you know, because he says, look to Sarah that bear you. You So you came from this impossible place. You came from this, this womb that couldn't have children. And and uh, so Isaac was born by promise. Then he was born by God saying, "This is what's going to happen." Mm-hmm. So so what has God said is going to happen to you? You know, na- name me something bad. Thank you. Yep. See, I mean, tell me something terrible. It's like, well. I have set this plan before thee, an open door, and it is going to be a disaster. No, it doesn't happen that way. So, you know, God doesn't, he doesn't set any path before you to set you up to fail. You know, his expectation is not that you're going to fail, not that you're going to make some kind of mistake. But uh, being a, a good father, he knows how to work with it if you do. And and so he says, look to Abraham, your father, look to Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone, and I blessed him and increased him. You know, and, and it, I was reading this the other day, and it made me think about um, over in uh, uh, 43, because, you know, we get so, Isaiah 43, because we get so... Uh, bunched up about the places that God puts us in. I know I do. And, uh, you know, God will talk to you about, you know, this is really going to be great. You know, like, uh, I would, before, before school, I would take, I would stand behind my kids at the, at the breakfast table. I'd rub their shoulders really vigorously till their heads just doing this. I'm like, you can take him, kid. He's a bum. You can take him, kid. You know, rub their shoulders, you know. It's like, you can do this. You know, and and uh, sometimes we come into these places where you know we come to church on Sunday, and God's like, "You can take him, kid. He's a bum. Like this, this is going to be fine. You can do this." And uh, you know, I never fancied myself to be a boxer, so you know, I'm I'm like, you know, they they squirt the stuff in my mouth. I don't spit it back out. I just swallow it, and you know, get out there and think, okay, I can do this. You know. But, um, <laughs> oh man, sometimes you just need a good laugh, you know, <sighs> you know, uh, uh, Amber suggested some great name that would be a great name for, uh, for Boaz to have. And I thought I would settle for Herman at this point, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I think sometimes we just all could use a good laugh because sometimes we take life so seriously. I take life way too seriously, and uh, um, you know, I sometimes I look back and I think, how did Kevin work with me for eight and a half years without killing me? Because I was so, I was so intense, and 
and so grouchy and complainy. It's like I had this drive to get things done, but I wanted to complain about it the whole time. You know? And, uh, you know, he was older and more patient. And, and uh, he just kind of, you know, put up with me. He had these little kind of code words that he used. Like, stop complaining. He would uh, he would say, it's just work. It's just work. And uh, so I would realize, okay, it's time to, time to stop. You know, or he would psych me up when we, when I was I was complaining about how unpleasant today is going to be, and and he'd say today is a good day to die. <laughs> and I was think you can die. I'm going to go home. But you know, but uh, and 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 he always would push me, and I always thought that his optimism was unfounded, but he. He would push me, and it would make me upset. But I, I would think, by golly, I'm do this, you know. But, uh, but he also, you know, everything was so brilliantly set up where you don't go home till you get this done. So, you know, well, then I will get this done. But you know, to take life so seriously, it's like it, he was right. It, it's just a job. It's just work. What's the big deal? And. Uh, and so I took that with me, and bless his heart, Mike has put up with me for eight and a half years, working with me and my intensity and griping and complaining. And uh, and I've taken it with me to the office, and I'm I'm starting to learn to a little bit with it. But uh, but you know we we get so you know it's like oh man God put me in this place I'm gonna mess it all up and and this is just not gonna work and and. He says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, and I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. So, you know, I, I read that and I thought, okay. So, so then what you're saying is that you know how to make my life turn out right because you love me and you have my best interest at heart then. Because uh, we easily can fall into that place where it doesn't feel like that. Because when we're feeling like David, we're thinking, I would really like a drink from the well. And, and we're thinking, is, so am I, in the, am I in the prison thing or am I in the well thing here? You know, and uh, it's really hard to articulate how interesting I think the the use of that word is. You know, because when a well is, you know, if a well is empty, then you would and you fell in there, you are indeed probably not going to get out easily. And uh, um, but at the same time, a well uh, is 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 a valuable thing. And if there is no, if you don't have you know running water in your tent. Then you're probably going to have to go to the well to get it, and uh, and of course you know Jesus is that well, and he and he brings his word to us uh, to comfort us. And it's funny because we sometimes it's uh, I just I love that example that that Mike uses of God wanting to encourage you or or help you through something, but it's so much harder if you do this. You know, it's way easier if you do this. You know, and and you you praise God and you reach out to Him, and and you just 
you know, cooperate with him in the thing because it's really hard to encourage somebody if they don't let you, you know. And um, and I'm certainly one of those people that if I'm if I'm feeling bummed out about something, I don't easily let people encourage me. <laughs> I complain about it, and well, I try, not so much complain about it, but I, I poke holes in all of their encouraging <laughs> things that they said. It's like, well, let me poke on that and see if it if it holds up. No. No, that doesn't work. You know. <laughs> you know, but you have to be able to just receive something, you know, because uh and and even even when you're poking holes in somebody's uh encouraging statements, they do still help. <laughs> and uh especially because, you know, you know, deep down you know that that like, well, this is just for now, this isn't forever. And and I'm not going to feel this way forever. And uh, so go back over with me to Isaiah 51 and read a little bit more of that. Uh, Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, and you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock whence you're hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you dig. Look unto Abraham your father and Sarah that bear you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And just like David going through that place, where he was longing for a drink from the well, when he was in the hold, he went through that place alone. He he had his mighty men with him. These, you know, he had his really awesome all-star kickball team with him, but he was still ha- going to have to go through this place all by himself. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, and He'll comfort all her waste places, and make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the, the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Isn't that what God does when you go through something hard? You know, because maybe you're going through something hard right now, but I would be willing to bet that you've been through something hard before that had a definable end to it. That you could look back and say, well, that thing, that, that was an event that happened, but it's over now. And, and from that, you draw this testimony that God really does do this stuff. And, and He really does take the wilderness and make it like Eden. He does take the, this this dried up heath and make it like the garden of the Lord, and and you come through those places. It's hard to see the joy and the and the this you know the gladness in this garden of of God uh, on the other side when you're in the middle of this dry dusty valley. You know when you feel like you're slogging through Death Valley in California. You know, you're not thinking that if I could just get up in the mountains, it's all green and pretty, or at least it used to be. And, uh, but it, you know, it's there. And you know that it's there because you've been there before. Uh, you know, when you, when you drive through the Flint Hills, it's like, it, it's like a blanket that somebody took it and just kind of rumpled it up. It's just up, down, up, down. And I thought, who said Kansas is flat? You know? I guess if you get out a little ways more, it is. But um, you know, our road is like that. It, it goes up, then it goes down. It goes up, then it goes down. And and you know, there are some places uh, out west of Topeka where you kind of get down in these low places, and you really can't see anywhere at all. It's because it's it's really steep behind you. It's really steep ahead of you, and they actually you know cut through the hills in places, and it's so windy out there. And uh, I remember I would be driving through there and and having to fight with the wind to stay straight going down the road. And then you go into those places and there's just no wind. 
and and then you'd have to correct the other way because now you know you've been pushing into the wind now you're driving all over the place and then as soon as you get out of there you know in comes the wind again and you have to be ready for that you know uh, our road though just goes through those places it's it's not good bad or indifferent it's what it is life does that to us and and God in his wisdom knows how to get benefit out of those things for us you know, if you've ever read um, Hindsight on High Places, it's a really encouraging book, and I strongly recommend it. You know, this, you know, this. Uh, for some reason, I can't think of her name at the moment. Yeah, much afraid. Yes, this 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 young woman, much afraid, is invited by the shepherd to go to the high places, and she's crippled, and she thinks, how could I ever go to the mountains with him? And and he just leads her along one bit at a time and he gives her these companions uh sorrow and suffering and and uh and they're very chilling and uncomfortable people to be around and but you know she gets where she's going and and they transform into joy and peace and 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 she's no longer crippled and she's you know dancing on the mountains just just like a just like a deer could do or a mountain goat could do and and uh, and God knows how to get you to that place, but it doesn't always look good. Sometimes it looks like you're in this place that just sort of stretches on endlessly forever, and and doesn't seem like maybe God knows where I went. It's like you never ever uh, follow somebody uh, in a car and they get ahead of you and you lose them. It's like surely they turned somewhere. When we went to Georgia last year, uh, it was, you know, driving through the hurricane that was going through the Midwest, and uh, I didn't bother with my GPS because I was following Mike, and there were some times that I kind of lost track of him because my, my little car loaded down with people and things, you know, I, <laughs> you know and it's like... You know, it's like I felt like Jason Bourne gearing down trying to catch him. And, and, uh, my little car would just give it all it had. And it was just shrinking in the distance. You know, but it, sometimes it feels like, man, where did he go? It's like, I, he, he surely must have forgot that I can't walk that fast. And, and the fact is, is he, he knows how fast you can walk. And, and he knows, you know, well, just, just come on a little more. Because uh, just just over the next uh, horizon, there's a well, and and you're gonna come away refreshed. You know, I mean, I know right now you're really thirsty, but just just keep coming because there's a well just over the next hill. And so that's what God does, and he 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 knows when you need that that drink. He knows when you need that encouragement because you know David was sitting there in a doolum thinking. Man, I, I really, really would like a drink, and you know his heart was touched that those guys would would get him that drink. But the the sense of, you know, what I really wanted more than a glass of water was for for God to tell me that this is this is the deal is still on. What I what I told you before is is still what's going to happen, and and just some sort of shot in the arm, get me down the road, kind of of word that that reminds me that this is going to be okay. But 
God knows how to stretch out our faith to the point where you just he he knows when you're when you can't hold on to it anymore. He knows when your little fingernails have worn off and and you are, you know, no longer going to hold on to it. And then he can he knows how to bring you something to hold on to. And and to bring you that that uh that that drink from the well right when you need it. Um and so he he always does those things in a way that it's it's exactly what you need, whether it's what you would like or not. Um, but he knows how to, to get us uh, victoriously where we're going. So Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. and uh, God, for that drink from the well. Uh, God, we, we can't get enough of that drink. God, if we could, we'd just stay by the well all the time. God, and, and we know that we can take that well with us, God, that you are that fountain uh, springing up in our soul. And God, what we pray is that um, uh, for every heart, God, that is longing for a, a drink from the well of Bethlehem, God, that today, uh, God, uh, there would be that well, there would be that drink, Lord God, and that, that your presence would minister to every heart exactly what they need, God. I I don't know what, what everybody here needs. I don't know what they're dealing with, God, but you do. And Jesus, we just pray that in this place today, you would get done exactly what you want to get done. God, uh, nothing less uh, is satisfactory to us. Lord God, I pray that everyone in this place uh, today would go home uh, knowing that they got what they wanted from you, knowing that they got what they needed from you, God, and that uh, no boast of Satan would be able to keep them from going home with that drink. God, I pray it in the name of Jesus. God, I just bind the flesh, the carnal mind, uh, every doubt and unbelief. God, and loose your spirit in this place, and I lose faith in this place to take hold of your word, God, for your uh, your good intentions toward us. God, we just pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.